0: It's a Halloween-tastic Totally Football Show. We'll be talking about ghouls in Scotland, troubled spirits and spurs, scares at Stamford Bridge and fan behaviour in Edinburgh that was beyond grave. Also, witches, the best Premier League fixture this weekend. There's much to sink our teeth into in this Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Bauer. That's enough Halloween, produced Ben. In the pod today, listener, Ur Capeloni. <laughs> pelatino. <laughs> yeah, uh, James Horncastle there. These are the uh, charming nicknames that Gabriele Marcotti's children have bestowed upon us. Uh-huh. Uh, also here with us today, uh, Daniel Storey. Good morning, James. Uh, a busy author. Have yes. You, have you finished your second...? Uh... Yeah, it's a secret
1: moment, but yes, i finished okay, writing cool.
0: it. All right. And fresh from the commentary box... At Stamford Bridge, Matt Davis-Adams. Hiya. How are you, Matt? Really good, thank you, yes. Excellent. All right, then. You witnessed Chelsea Derby in the Carabao Cup. You must have been busy because you had five goals in the first half, four of them scored by Derby. So how much did they win by?
2: It was incredible. It was a really, really bizarre game. First of all, Kaio Tomori on loan from Chelsea. Chelsea had given permission for their two on loan players to play in this game, which is unusual in English football.
0: Agent Tomori.
2: Yeah, Agent Tomori, five minutes in, in front of the 4,000 Derby supporters who'd filled the shed, goes to clear it, uh, completely misses the ball. It hits his standing foot and spins into the net. Rather embarrassing for him to just put it the, mildly.
0: The worst thing that Derby could want, you know, a Championship side playing at Stamford Bridge, and that's probably game over, no?
2: Yeah, you would have thought so. But Chelsea were so poor defensively; it was um, it was quite astounding. And Derby were quickly back level, just uh, just a couple of minutes later. Jack Marriott, well taken goal. Uh, then we get more comedy. From Comedy's Richard Keogh, um, who you know I just have to look at and, and laugh, and he obliged us with another wonderful what, own why, goal. What's
0: so funny is it's it his kind of like spud hairdo or Um
2: it's his eyes, I think, for me. Um he's just he just looks like he's always been surprised or you right. know, received some startling news or something. And, and it he just certainly just had some me.
0: some here. He really did, yeah.
2: yeah. That was that was a good own goal, but it wasn't into so, Maury's league.
0: So Poor Frank Lampard decided to just battle back yeah. to make it one one, and Keogh does another one Keo does that Frank on the sidelines does the calm down gesture excessively and, and not surprisingly because of course Derby are the team that this weekend dropped 2 points at the death of their clash in the clash with Barrow with that that Jaden Bogle own goal.
2: Yeah, Jaden Bogle probably feeling a bit better about life because he didn't score the funniest own goal for Derby <laughs> this season or even this week. Um, but the, again, they, they quickly equalise. More poor defending from Chelsea. Martin Waghorn tapping him for 2 2. Waghorn missed a great chance. He should have scored again. And then Fabregas, deflected shot. Uh, off to Mori again, which goes in, but the goal probably shouldn't have stood. Oh, really? Why's that? Uh, foul by Zappacosta in the build-up. Mm. Um, the officials claimed that the that happened off the pitch. Frank Lampard didn't think so. I didn't either. Fair bit of play went on
0: before then. Derby could have stopped it. 3-2. Um, that That's was just going into half-time. Now, that end of the first half, mm. Matt, um, Derby were all over playing their... Lampard-Dismo ball, their Lampard ball. Yeah,
2: it, yeah. It, it, it sort of pains me a little bit to say as a, as a Nottingham Forest supporter, but they were so good, Derby. I mean, their, w- their pressing you- of Chelsea's defence was incredible. Um, they, they've got such a really nice blend. Of, they've got this experienced spine, Carson, Keo, Tom Huddleston, who's 31, bizarrely, um, I assumed he would be nearly 40 by now, uh, who just dominated Fabregas uh, mm. in a way which I've not seen in, in a long time and then they've just got this energy around them Wilson, Lawrence, Mason Mount they they look a terrific side
0: The, the team that of course had won hearts by knocking Man United out, you know mm. because of their spunky performance etc uh, at Old Trafford in the previous round, be honest were you rooting for Derby a little bit?
2: No, no no <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> I would All never right.
2: do that uh, as an Ottingham Forest supporter but also as somebody who's paid by the game, my interest in Chelsea and Cup competitions goes through the roof
0: Oh yeah that's fair, but do you think that it was interesting the way the way that um, Derby approached playing Chelsea and particularly targeting certain members of Chelsea's back line. I was wondering if Lampard thought, I've got Gary Cahill's number. I know exactly where to hit him.
2: Potentially. I actually think the weaker link last night was Andreas Christensen um, and that was illustrated by the fact that Sarri took him off with about half an hour to go and replace him with David Luiz to try and strengthen the defence. There's been... Two defences for Chelsea this season, the one that plays in cup competitions and the one that plays in the Premier League, so it's entirely cup-based back four last night of Zappacosta, Christensen, Cahill and Emerson and all four of them struggled to be honest, Cahill was better when he moved over to the left side um, but Christensen who's obviously his dad, who is his agent, has been making a lot of noises about, well if I'm not playing I'll have to leave and um, he didn't stake a, stake a claim to, to be playing more regularly, unfortunately for him. Maybe that's because he hasn't had much game time. Mm. But, um, yeah, Derby found the weakness and exploited it really well and should have, should have won the game.
0: So, basically, no further scoring then in the second half until the dying seconds when, Daniel, David Nugent strides onto the ball and... Doesn't score. But it was, it was so close. It hits the inside of the post and it comes out.
1: Yeah, and, and Poor Derby. Yeah, uh, you've come to the wrong person because I'm also a Nottingham Forest fan of the Nottingham Forest media mafia.
0: <laughs> um, I'm not a Forest fan. Full <laughs> <Poor> disclosure there. <laughs> were you rooting for Derby here, James?
3: Well, yeah, because I was excited by uh, by how they were playing. I mm. mean, I mean that first half was just extraordinary. Yeah, I think the Carabao Cup does sometimes reserve these kind of uh, surprises, but at the same time, I think I was expecting just a kind of polite love in for Frank Lampard, and instead, again, Derby came very close to, to putting out top Premier League side.
1: There is an interesting point in what Matt says about Chelsea not only their defence but most of their team being changed completely for cup competitions. We saw with Jurgen Klopp last season that he rotated partly to to keep players rested but also because he felt that if he was going to pick up injuries he wanted players to be up to speed with his football when they came into the team. Now Mm. as a new manager at a club with pretty high ambitions it seems quite risky of Sarri to keep picking the same, basically the same eleven for for Premier League games when he's trying to imprint this new style of football, and then sort of look surprised when players like Kristensen, who was came on leaps and bounds last season, now looks pretty f- you know flummoxed by playing in this team, and it just seems like a really risky scenario because the young players are going to think, well, I'm probably better off out of here, and the experienced players like Gary Cahill are going to think, well, my time here is coming to an end, and you can suddenly find a situation where they get two or three injuries in January, February, and players come in who are woefully out of form huh? It
3: is a real interesting dynamic that Sally creates at clubs because the players that he plays regularly absolutely love him and see an incredible development in their, in their games. I thought it was interesting this summer when Carlo Ancelotti came in at Napoli because people around the club was talking just how the mood was, was so much better because everyone felt like they were involved and he has used, what, 22 players I think the guys around the first team, they find it very hard to be basically sat around, clearly not trusted, and as Daniel was saying, to be kind of thrown in and play what is a very sophisticated system which is very different for defenders from the one that they were playing last year last mm. year. Um, it is a complicated one.
0: Matt, any word on whether your performance was good enough to earn a, a role in their Premier League matches? <laughs> I'm hoping so. I
2: mean, you're the man who knows more about Maurizio Sarri than I do well, these days. I've got to say, I can't stop watching now after your um, your great piece with him. What Jorginho said, every time the ball comes towards uh, Sarri yeah. on the touchline and he does deliberately move away from it, I, it's, it's really noticeable. Now I've spotted it once. Um, it's it's ever so strange, especially so, last night you had Frank Lampard always getting
0: it quickly, chucking it back into yeah, play. Um, yeah, so Jorginho, this was a piece for Chelsea TV in which Jorginho revealed that mm. one of Sarri's many superstitions is the fact that he will not touch the match ball under any circumstances, no matter how much Chelsea need the ball back on the field. Um, Frank Lampard, I mean, Still rather popular at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, and it was really nice, actually.
2: He he had a nice line after the game where he said, um, I went out via the back door and I've come back in through the front, which was a nice way of putting it because he left kind of quietly and mm. with Jose Mourinho taking a couple of digs at him. And, you know, I can't think of any other club that will have a midfielder as their all-time leading goal scorer. It's incredible that that he did that. Roma,
0: Hamsik. Oh, okay, yeah, no, no. two
2: hundred and eleven goals from midfield is quite ridiculous, um, and obviously Jody Morris back with him last night as well. Between them, they won fourteen trophies, played over eight hundred games for Chelsea. They both had big banners in the stadium for them, so it, it was a bizarre thing to see a whole stadium chanting the name of a manager, and he kind of did a, a lap of honour afterwards, which um, which was nice, and it, it it was sort of in the spirit of the game. And as we were talking about with the the Liverpool game at Stamford Bridge a few weeks back, it does seem that there is that spirit of with Sari in particular. Let's enjoy the game. That's what we're here for. Easy yeah. to do when you win it, I suppose. But yeah, they were they were lucky to get through, and they
0: get Bournemouth in the quarter final at home for the second season in a row. We'll talk about those quarter finals very shortly. Just to mention that it's been a good week in the cup for Chelsea, though, because they took on Fiorentina in the last sixteen of the Champions League. Uh, this is the Women's Champions League and beat them 7-0 on aggregate. Well, 6-0 this week. Yeah, they only won 1-0 at home,
2: so I was a bit concerned. But Frank kirby trick last night helped them to, uh, to a 6-0 win in their return.
0: Right. Who are they going to be facing, do you know? No. OK. <laughs> All right, let's talk about what we do know on it's League Cup
4: quarterfinals. You're listening to The Totally Verbal Show with James Richardson.
0: Now, as Matt was mentioning, Chelsea facing Bournemouth, who beat Norwich the other games this week. Arsenal beat Blackpool 2-1 to no-one's great surprise, but perhaps narrower than might have been expected. Borough knocked out Palace 1-0 with a special goal from Lewis Wing. Where does he play? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure. Where does he play, actually? Daniel? I think he does. Yeah. Matt, you're doing Football League show next week, aren't you? I am, yeah. Yeah. Where does Lewis Wing play for (laughs) Borough? (laughs) He plays in midfield. Okay. Uh, Burton Albion did for Nottingham Forest, 3-2. Much shaking of heads here. Yeah, <laughs> Nigel Clough's Burton Albion.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not going to go on too much about Forest, but the problem they've got is that they signed so many players in the summer and the previous window, and the previous window for that, and every window seemingly for an infinitum, that um, they made nine or ten changes again, and... There's just no, there's no consistency of performance.
0: Did they make the ch- they made the changes because it was a cup competition?
1: Yeah, and bec- yeah, they've they've picked a, a weakened team in the cup. But the problem is they they have now got basically 20, probably between twenty eight and thirty two players who would consider themselves worthy of a place in a championship team um, because they've bought so many players and, and not sold many that the competition for places is ridiculous. And the idea is that competition for places brings out better performance from mm. everyone. But the alternative to that is that everyone just feels like. There's everything's slightly built on sand, I think.
0: Right. You'd rather see a regular lineup with one or two changes.
1: Yeah, I'd rather see a smaller squad on with a with a lower wage bill. Yes. All right. It's enough. a
2: wasted opportunity. This game as well. They're playing a League One side who they could easily have beaten. They've ended up getting Middlesbrough in the next round. Forest could quite conceivably mm-hmm. be in the semi-finals of the League Cup, and they. Yeah, Forest hadn't
1: been in a quarter-final of that competition for 25 years, so there's wow. really no excuse for, for taking that lightly and playing badly. Mm.
0: Man City will be playing this evening against Fulham. Leicester's match with Saints was postponed following the tragedy at the King Power last weekend. And Spurs got a 3-1 win at West Ham at London Stadium, where they could have been playing, of course, had they not gone on, you know, had things worked out differently. Anyway, it was a much-needed win, wasn't it? Two goals from Sun, Youngman's Sun. His first goal since March. Mm. Will this help much to lift the mood of doom and gloom that's surrounding this club that's off to their best Premier League start ever?
1: I don't think it will, no. Um, I think there is a very understandable now, kind of irreversible... Um, irreversible? Inpa- well, irreversible impatience with, with the Wembley situation. Right. So it will only be reversed when they move. Uh, I don't think the move will ever get better. You can see that. Th- I think it was the times that are really... Nice graphic that showed the percentage capacity full of Wembley last season and this season, and I mean it's startling. You know, some games are 30, 40 percent down.
0: Well, I think there were about was it 25,000 seats empty for Monday Night's game, mm-hmm. which was a, a huge one against Man City potentially. Mm. Um, I, you don't have to be a football club to appreciate what they've got spiraling debts, and their front rooms a mess. And that's going to depress anybody.
1: It is, but I think the supporters would have accepted that as a as a kind of necessary part of you know moving backwards to move forward. If the club had met them halfway with things like communication, um, right. they quite rightly feel that they've been. Willfully misled over the issues um, in order to keep them buying tickets and try and keep them sweet for as long as possible. And that goodwill has now completely run out.
0: So, that drip, drip, drip of information about when the move's finally going to happen. When is the move going to happen? What's the latest? My
1: suspicion, well, they, they still claim that it can happen in January. My suspicion is that they won't be there till the start of next season.
2: Yeah. Always seemed completely unrealistic, Um, not to bring it back to Chelsea, but when they said they were going to redevelop Stamford Bridge, they said we'll be away for three seasons. Mm. To get it done in one season just seemed totally unrealistic to me. And you've got people being sent out their season cards for the new stadium that they can't use, which just sort of rubs salt into the wound. You know, you've got the, the image of the NFL logo being branded onto the centre circle for the Premier League game on That's Monday. That's going
0: to sting the Premier League. Well,
2: yeah, I mean, it just made it look slightly ludicrous isn't yeah. and I feel for Maurizio Pochettino because he wasn't given any money to strengthen his squad and regardless of what he might say in public I'm sure he would have wanted to add a couple of people to well, that. Well, he's
0: quite happy about saying that in public actually. He seems to be now, doesn't yeah. It? Yeah, yeah, he? Yeah, it's was really interesting the, the situation with Real Madrid coinciding with Pochettino sending all sorts of Signals spoken and unspoken. You had the comments that he he made before and after the Man City game, where he described himself as the most unhappy he's been for five years as a manager, and and, and afterwards then talking about how the club was focusing on too many things and needed to focus on just winning football matches. And then, and I want to read too much into this. <laughs> Dele Alli signs a new deal, and Pochettino's got a look that he does for, um, that, that he does for signing on pictures. He always has the arm over the shoulder and the kind of half smile, and he's done it for every single one of their recent signings. What look does he give in this picture with Deli Alli? No look because he's not there. It's just Deli Alli on his own. Wow, Wow. Lonely. I do think Pochettino is basically in the perfect position in
1: that he having a successful management career is not just about improving clubs. It's also about taking the perfect time to leave that club and make your promotion. The accusation against Marco Silva is he's done it too quickly, and I think the accusation against someone like maybe even David Wagner is that he's not Chosen the right time to try and get that move. Pochettino's in the perfect position. The two jobs in Europe you'd say would be ideal for him, um, and that he would want: are Manchester United and Real Madrid. And both potentially could be coming up between now and next August. So
0: mm.
1: I don't see why he wouldn't be doing by laying these seeds of doubt because he's 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 earned the goodwill and
0: the right to do it. Do you think Real Madrid still represents that that dream job that everybody usually talks about I, it as?
1: I think it was it was it was similar to the um, when. When Zidane left, it was similar to United after Ferguson, although in a very different way in that the only way was down. Mm. I think now it's, it's kind of replacing Moyes at Manchester United. It's actually, they're so down on their luck that maybe the only way is up from here. So, yeah, I think he would, probably would jump at it.
3: I think it's one of those odd situations where Real Madrid, most famous team in the world, won European Cup four out of five years. As they said in the statement they put out sacking Yulan Nopetegui, they've got eight Ballon d'Or players, on, well, Eight players who are on the Ballon d'Or shortlist. But it does feel like, going back to the summer, there were a number of, of, of managers who turned that job down. And I think when it comes to Conte, a lot's been made about Sergio Ramos's comments after the Clásico. I would not be at all surprised if Conte looks at that job or has maybe just flicked through his Rolodex and called Zizou or called Antonio Pintos and just sort of think maybe this isn't the right sort of rebound job to go into. Whereas right. United... Uh, for all the problems that they have, they're not building a new stadium, um, which will have an impact. Yeah, The roof that they're putting on the Bermuda Bay will have an impact on the spending that um, that uh, Real Madrid want to do. They've got a team which I think you can you can take a few parts out and then you've got a really good team. I think with Real Madrid, it's going to be a more complicated overhaul. I think in some respects, the United job would, is more attractive than the Real Madrid job right now. Interesting. If it were to come up.
0: Absolutely. So, yeah, that's an interesting set of scenarios there let's just you know reiterate the fact that Spurs are very much in the hunt for glory at the top of the table they're within five points of first place one of five teams in that group they are off to their best Premier League star ever they will eventually move into their new stadium which presumably will not just boost morale but also their ability to go and sign players and they have just secured a new deal with Deli Alli as well as keeping hold of the stars like Harry Kane last last summer so you know we could soon be looking at an entirely different situation for Spurs. No? Yeah,
1: and the unknown factor that, that Daniel Levy would push forward a, a self-defence of his running of the club is that he believes uh, that this Tottenham long-term project is not built on the manager. Right. As with as Southampton really? tried to do. Yeah, he believes that by signing up the players on long-term deals and by if they get the manager they want, and I suspect they probably would want Eddie Howe, um, he believes that he can kind of keep this going. He doesn't believe it's firmly built on Pochettino, but that's a for for all neutral observers, that's a pretty big if I think.
0: Harris at Wally says, yeah, Eddie Howe, I build I do a replacement if, if Pochettino goes one other one one thing just on Monday, had uh had LaMella put that ball away, very different story.
1: Yeah, I mean uh, there are a million ifs and buts in football matches and David Silver yeah play. but David Silver had a chance wherever he'd have controlled it he would have rolled the ball into an empty net as well and mm-hmm. um, yeah Spurs every player on that pitch played pretty badly the problem for Spurs is that you know they did lose and they did lose to a team that has far more resources than them but I think in the cut and thrust of a Premier League season it's very easy to forget that about things like revenue and spending because Spurs fans, the,
0: they're the only club
1: that's finished in the top four in the last three seasons and therefore they've got
0: used to it. Mm. Well, they've got Wolves away this weekend. Wolves who've had back-to-back defeats. Is that, is that a good game for Spurs to try and bounce back?
2: Yeah, potentially. I think so. It's really interesting that this game is on Saturday night at 7.45. Is it? Yeah, and it's been moved because Spurs are playing at 6 o'clock against PSV on Tuesday. So Sky and the Premier League agreed to move it from its original one thirty Sunday slot huh. back to Saturday night. Now, that opens a huge can of worms for me because think of Jose Mourinho, Maurizio Sarri, Pep Guardiola. Their constant complaint about scheduling uh, of Premier League games around Champions League games or Europa League games well, the Premier League have moved one now, so surely they've got if they've done it for Tottenham, they've got to do it for everybody else
0: now. Which but, certainly happens in other leagues. Yeah. You'll have teams playing on Fridays, etc. The, the key thing here is the reason that Mourinho et al have so much money to spend is because of the TV deals that they have, which are much more favourable than in other countries, which is why the TV companies expect to be able to have a mm. a, a primetime slot mm. rather than, say, a Friday evening one. I suspect the Premier League are actually secretly quite pleased about
1: the, thing, the whole issue. I think if Spurs were trying to move it to a less... Uh, TV friendly time, yeah. then maybe they would be a little bit more reticent. But this idea of prime time Saturday evening football, um, I think the Premier League actually really like it. Fair so. dues. All right.
0: But Monday,
3: Wednesday, Saturday, and then you've got a make or break game in the in the Champions League. I think that's tricky, and I think if maybe. I think Pochettino generally has done a very, a very good job at insulating his team from all the various things going around around them. He can maintain a concentration for this one against a, a very good team, although as one you admit that's lost back-to-back games, hasn't scored in back-to-back games. But Wolves probably have to look at this as a as a real opportunity given Spurs have to put everything into that game against PSV.
0: Mm-hmm. That's Annie. All right, well, we'll talk more about what's coming up this weekend in, in the Premier League in a second or two. Still to come, of course... We've got a big roundup up of a very bizarre midweek of action around the world in football. But back to the Prem after this. Tuesday and Wednesday nights were so exciting, but now I've got nothing to look forward to. So me and the wife are taking that ballroom dancing. Look at this lovely number, eh? Put down that sequined shirt, sad Arsenal fan. With the same-game multi from Paddy Power, the Champions League is exciting again, even for you. And you'll get money back as a free bet if one leg of your fourfold same-game multi lets you down. Paddy Power, enough of the nonsense. Applies to pre-match, fourfold same-game multi bets on Champions League matches. Max free bet £10 per customer per day. Minimum odds. Exclude shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18plus.
4: BitGambleAware.org. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Football Show from Muddy Knees Media.
0: We are 10 weeks into the season. That's about what, a quarter of the season done? Five teams within five points of each other at the top. Two of them facing each other this weekend Arsenal and Liverpool. Man City, who are joint top or just ahead on goal difference, have the equivalent of a session in the Nets, basically. They're hosting Saints. Chelsea host Palace. That's probably fair, isn't it? I think. Ooh, yeah. 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 Okay. I saw Southampton last week. Yeah, they're, they're not good. All right. Chelsea host Palace, who got beat by Borough. In the League Cup, as we mentioned, uh, Spurs face, well, their own long, dark tea time of the soul, really. Uh, I mean, Wolves <laughs> nominally, but essentially their own unrealised hopes and expectations. We'll, we'll see how they respond to that. Let's talk about City, who did win on Monday. James, you won't have seen this because you were all over Lazio Inter. Mm.
3: Which is a really exciting game, but we Big, talk about that on Galazzo, don't but
0: we? we? We do. Inter sixth win in a row, yeah. up to second place. Anyway, uh, but uh, at Wembley, meanwhile, a far less interesting 1-0 win for uh, Pep Guardiola's side. That's now six clean sheets in a row. Three goals conceded in their 10 matches so far. How many shots per goal was it that Saints are taking to score? They haven't scored in the last 22 attempts on goal.
1: Yeah, Southampton are going about 4% conversion rate.
0: Right, and City have only allowed 17 shots on target all season. And Manchester United allowed eight at home to Newcastle. Wow, Hot of numbers. This what did it all add up to? Yeah, but City,
1: did, City didn't defend well in that in that game. Yeah, by in all this accounts. game
0: against Spurs,
5: and, and yeah. Pep
3: Guardiola afterwards was saying that um, you know we have to take sort of lessons from from games like these because if we defend like that in the sort of final stages of the Champions League, his words were, "We will not survive," which you know, I thought was pretty pretty strong.
0: He likes being dramatic, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, guys. Uh, did <laughs> nice. you know here's a stat? Uh, Amrik Laporte, yeah. Mm. Eight hundred and seventy-four passes this season. Only Jorginho has made more. Mm, they've never lost a Premier League game when Laporte's played either. And they,
2: they, I mean, they but needed. He's, so
0: he's passed more than any Man City player than any other Man City player. Yeah, wow. Okay, he's
2: yeah. very good. But I mean, the City needed um, stoppage time winners in both games against Southampton. Last season, but Hmm. as I say, I saw Southampton against Newcastle last week, and and I don't think that's going to be the case this time. And you remember the home game at the Etihad last season was the one that finished with Pep putting his arm around Nathan Redmond and saying, Oh, you're so good, you should be doing this, that, and the other. (laughs) Ah, Yeah. Um, And and Redmond, I had a look at this because he he had a couple of chances last week against Newcastle. Him and El Yanusi, Danny Ings has scored half of Southampton's goals, so other people need to start chipping in. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, four. Um, Redmond got seven in his first season at Southampton. He got one last season, and he hasn't scored yet. This and and they need because Charlie Austin doesn't score. Gabby Dini doesn't score. So they need some midfielders to start chipping in. But but I've seen Southampton twice in recent weeks, and they look like relegation
1: fodder this season. Unfortunately.
0: Uh, okay then. Quick, one mm, quick yep,
1: word yep. on on Monday night. The performance of the fullbacks is. We've kind of got used in the Premier League with the rise of. The three-four-three or three-five-two or the re-rise, and then you know, players like Marcus Alonso, who now apparently can just play it on the left wing and do everything. The pullbacks were absolutely terrible on Monday night. I wonder. I wonder about Pep with. I wonder if his patience in Mendy is running slightly thin because he's obviously not particularly impressed with his shenanigans. Should we call it his sort of social media persona? And his performances have been poor for the last few weeks. Yeah. And but Tottenham last season. Well, Kieran Trippier used the summer to make himself the new next best right back in the world. And Ben Davies was brilliant last season, but they are really struggling in the fullback areas. And it it kind of feels like when they struggle, so do Tottenham.
0: Let's talk about the big game then on Saturday tea time. Arsenal taking on Liverpool, which Daniel, you're going to. Yes. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, they they tend to be quite exciting affairs.
1: Yeah, I think it's... Potentially the game of the season so far in that Arsenal have pretty much beaten everyone other than Palace last week that you'd expect them to beat and lost to everyone better than them. And Liverpool are sort of grinding out results and getting it done. But I don't th- I don't think that works this weekend. They have to come out on fire because Arsenal's weakness is in defence. And and it's- I think it'll just be a game where both teams kind of throw things forward. I expect goals, goals, goals.
0: Feels like a big test of, of this notion that Arsenal have changed because their big issue was getting results against the other big six sides, or top six sides. Yeah, I think... And they've not been able to do that so far.
1: No, I mean, I, I think in Wenger's last season, the issue was not being able to beat anyone away from home, ah. uh, which they have kind of addressed. Um, but yes, you're absolutely right. They they have, over the last four or five years, have struggled against the biggest teams, and this is a, a massive test of that. He, I'm pretty sure Emery would take a draw now. Um, uh, I don't think Jurgen Klopp would, which is great, because it means that Liverpool will have to come in and attack Arsenal. It should be a really good game. Mm.
3: But you have, uh, I remember Guardiola after the the nil-nil at the Anfield said if you want to play sort of open, quick game against Liverpool, there's no one better at it than Liverpool and you're probably only going to give yourself a 1% chance against them. And Arsenal, certainly over the last three or four years, that is how they've approached playing Liverpool and they've always had three or four goals spanked against them. Mm. So Daniel's right in that we haven't seen Arsenal face a top side since the opening two weeks of the season and even though they've been impressive in that run, keeping clean sheets has not been part of what's been good about them. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, who's going to be playing left-back in, in... I was going to say, if, yeah,
1: if, if, I mean, if Mo Salah couldn't tuck himself onto Stefan Lichtsteiner, who looks suddenly looks a very old footballer mm. having arrived in England, then... <laughs> then, yeah, that's panic stations for Arsenal.
2: Um, I read a great stat about Salah ahead of this game. So he scored in all three Premier League games that he's played against Arsenal, one for Chelsea, two for Liverpool. Only one player has a better 100% strike rate against the Gunners in the Premier League. Do you know who that might be? I was going to say Bobby Zamora. It definitely won't be him. No, but it's not a bad shout as a kind of random striker. Still playing.
0: Do you want to tell us later on, Matt? Sure. Okay. Give us another <laughs> little clue. Because yeah. it, apparently, if it's random, then. I think I mentioned him not long ago. What, in this show? Yeah. It's not none David of us, Nugent listening to Matt, no. were we? <laughs> oh, <laughs> David man. Nugent? No. no. I just oh. said that. You're not listening to no, me are I'm not listening to anyone. <laughs> oh, man. This is like a Pinter play or something. Um, prediction, Matt? Oh, I make Liverpool heavy favourites. I think heavy. they'll win by a couple of goals. Heavy favourite. The other game uh, featuring top five Chelsea taking on Palace. Do you know, I bet you do know this, Matt, but Palace have actually won two of their last three trips to Chelsea. And do you know who the managers were for those two trips? Well, one
2: was Alan Pardew. Pardew and Allardyce, nonetheless. That is strange.
0: Um, Chelsea will get the regulars back in, though this weekend will normal service be resumed?
2: Yes, I would I would think so. Um, Palace a bit better against Arsenal last week, but uh, Chelsea obviously still unbeaten if you don't count the Community Shield, which apparently we don't. Um, yeah, Hazard back, Alonso back, Jorginho back will be the big one. That was what w- was really noticeable about uh, the derby game. Fabregas right. couldn't do what Jorginho did. He's he's very much
0: Sari's man on the pitch and, and pivotal to the way that Chelsea play. So he was the big miss. Tricky period this fall, Palace. After this match, they have Spurs at Sohas Park and then Man United away with an international break in between. Still to come. On this Totally Football Show, Bournemouth's clash with Man United and the other Premier League fixtures, and assorted fights, punches, flying coins, and that from around the world.
4: You're listening to the Totally Football Show, sponsors of Melchester Rovers. Find out more at roideroversofficial.com.
0: Punches, fights, flying coins, that sounds quite lively. Let's go with that. Let's begin in Scotland... Tynecastle on Wednesday, witnessed the Edinburgh Derby. Hearts and Hibs. Hearts, of course, the SPL leaders. A, a ferocious match, it was described <laughs> as Daniel. Ferocious. One supporter hit the Hearts keeper, Zdenek Zlamal. He goes to collect the ball and they're all... And then one visibly pokes him in the face. He goes down. And they, but it's, it's goalless. And then right at the death, Hearts score a late winner. Oh, but the referees disallowed it. And then Neil Lennon larges it in front of the, the Tynecastle faithful... Uh, who don't take kindly to this, and somebody lobs a coin at him, and he he goes down as if it's been lobbed from the Texas Book Depository. And you know, basically, <laughs> I I know it's a bad thing throwing coins. Clearly, thank God it wasn't
3: one of these new fifty p pieces. Wow, well, I mean, that could not, have been lethal. No.
0: Anyway, but I'm not sure if Lennon A was wise to taunt the crowd in that way, and it clearly was. He was basically laughing at them, mm. uh, and and also you know, I think it struck him, which is obviously bad, but don't know if his, his tumble was quite commensurate with the with the impact but anyway uh, but obviously a very bad thing and no doubt there'll be all sorts of disciplinary measures sorry Daniel were you uh... no
1: no no I, I did enjoy after the game Lennon said this is supposed to be a place of football not a place of violence uh, and given that he had given that he had pretty much said come on then come on then come on then to a crowd of around 5,000 people uh Having seen the linesman (laughs) give an offside decision, uh, yeah, it was a little bit rich. I mean, obviously, it was a a stupid thing for everyone to have done.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's hope they can put all that behind them then as Hearts go next to Celtic in a top-of-the-table clash. Celtic are now four points behind them after their 5-0 win over Dundee. Celtic, who also beat Hearts 3-0 just last weekend. Anyway. Here's us going all Scottish football. Uh, More of that with Andrew Schlaven in the dedicated pod. Do you know the top of the table clash this weekend in France as well? James Horncastle? Yes, that'll be PSG Mm. against... Is it Lille? It is Lille. Just the eight points between them. Lille, who've turned their season... Well, their fortunes around remarkably from their last campaign, as we discussed on Monday. Uh, At the other end of the table, Thierry Henry... uh, and his quest for his first win continue as Monaco travelled to Reims. In Spain, Leo Messi's back training already. Wow. Yeah, he might be ready. Has he it... might be back for the Inter game next week in the Champions League. Ooh. But that's what they're saying anyway. Real Madrid did not get Antonio Conte, as we thought was going to happen on Monday. But they did get a win under their interim manager, Santiago Solari. Solari, the former what Real Madrid Inter player, uh, former police song title, of course. Uh, stepping in now... Uh, and, and, and guiding them to a 4-0 Copa del Rey last 32 first leg victory over Union Deportivo Melilla He's out of Morocco. Well, not Morocco, but North Africa. He started
1: uh, Vinicius, which is the, the kind of headline news, his first start for Real Madrid. There's a kind How of. How did he do? I think he was all right, apparently. He was lively. The central defender he was up against was booked very early on, which by all accounts helped him, gave him a little bit of freedom but I, I think the assumption is that Solari is going to say well I'm here for a good time, not a long time so I might as well try and bleed him some youngsters and kind of try and reinvent this team a little mm. bit for the next manager
0: In Italy, Wednesday night, Milan moved back into the Champions League positions Yeah, A 2-1 win over Genoa Yeah,
3: had to, uh, got pegged back unlucky own goal but uh, and then a very athletic and quite flamboyant finish and yeah. stoppage time from the guy who'd scored the own goal, Alessio Romagnoli who uh, what, chipped Radu uh, and sealed the win. For did, do you season. think
0: he meant that? I think, uh, I mean, the way he coordinates his body, I think he's just trying to get to it. He's Just, he's just to reaching. keep it in play, basically. Yeah. So the ball comes back out from Radu, I think, mm. and it's kind of a, <clears throat> a high ball, and he just sticks out a leg to try, and I think just to lob it back into the area. Yeah. Maybe I'm doing him a disservice. Maybe I actually thought I can ibra this from out here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, it was it, it looks special. Mm, certainly did.
3: Particularly from a centre-back.
0: Absolutely. Uh, prior to that, as, as we mentioned, Inter beat Lazio 3-0. Lewis Wilkinson says, can Inter catch Juve at the top of the table? Uh, any potential banana skins for them in fixtures ahead?
3: I think what was really encouraging, if you're an Inter fan, about that performance on Monday night was by far the best display they've put in so far, which, if they were... If, can carry that on into the, the Barcelona game at San Siro I think gives them a real chance of getting something out of that and if they do, I mean Spurs and PSV are already very much up against it um, but I think Inter seem to be, I'm not going to say peaking, but hitting a, a, a sort of level of performance that they haven't had so far this season as regards to getting closer to Juventus, I think it's going to be very, well. But it's all about
0: December, tough. what, the 7th is it, when they, the they face d'Italia. you? Yeah. yeah, okay, well that Yeah, oh, quick mention while we're on the subject of Italy for Vincenzo Iacquinta. Oh, God, yeah. Former Udinese striker, a member, of course, of Italy's World Cup 2006 team, yeah? Uh, Just got two years for basically, what, is it selling arms? No, it's illegal possession or... Possession. But it was the fact that he'd given the guns to his dad, who is, his dad is basically not allowed to have weapons because he's been known to frequent uh, organised crime figures. His dad, if I'm if I'm not wrong, got 19 years. But then didn't.
3: Has he not got 19 years? No, no,
0: so then the... So, because this is the point that... So, okay, we'll back up a bit. So, Quint has got a couple of pistols, which he has legally declared. They're registered, that's fine. But he also has a father, they're from Calabria, who has associates, and this could be entirely innocent, who are known to be connected or suspected of being connected with the Andrangheta, which is the Calabrian Mafia. Mm. As a result, he's not allowed to carry weapons, and... Vincenzo Quinta, the footballer, or former footballer, gave him the two pistols, left them with his dad for safety, he said. But he didn't declare that to the police. Now, when a massive... Uh, operation was launched against the kind of Calabrian mafias, infiltration of the north, which is turning up some very interesting stories over in Turin with Juventus, by the way. Um, they found these guns and they basically threw the book at Jaquinta. And they actually sentenced him this week to two years, not just two years suspended, two years inside. He left the court shouting, shame on you. <laughs> yeah. I suffer like a dog. I, who have won a World Cup, you've ruined my life because I'm from Calabria. I have to say I feel feel bad for him as, as his attorney was saying. You know, even the, the the case against his father, I believe, has has been dropped. I mean, it'll be appealed, but it's still crazy, no?
3: Yeah, and as you say, this is a story which is, I mean, there's separate investigations, but looking at how the Di which has become a very sort of prominent mafia in Italy, um, how it's kind of got its fingers into what is a very lucrative and rich world of football. Is is quite uh, quite concerning. Well, the, the,
0: the case at, at Juve regards one of their former employees who um, jumped off a, a, a bridge, uh, and, and possibly was. Uh, the suspicion is that he might not have been. He was yeah. a yeah. supporter liaison officer
3: who used to be a, a, a capo ultra, and um, there's been an investigation launched about how the ultra groups in in the in the Culeva at the Juventus stadium. Um, basically, the Indrangera realised that they were making a lot of money uh, from selling tickets, um, and and wanted in on that. And obviously, whenever you've got individuals like that involved, tensions rise, and things can things can go awry. Mm. So yeah, this has been the focus of a of a big sort of panorama style investigation um, in Italy over over the last couple of weeks. Um, and yeah, there's a, a ding dong back and forth really between. The, the investigative journalists who've done a lot of work on this and and the club who are trying to sort of bat it away. Um, so, you know, in addition to the accusations against Ronaldo, you know, these are these, there are these accusations against Juventus. So, you know, while everything's rosy on the pitch, off the pitch, there's some storm clouds, mm. I would say.
0: Yeah, well, they'll be used to that. Let's have something a little bit more tranquil and... and uh, wholesome how about the Copper Libertadores how did that go this, this week Matt
2: <laughs> yeah follow that um late VR drama basically between Grêmio of Brazil and River Plate of Argentina really really even by Copa Libertadores standards this was quite an extraordinary so
0: Grêmio from what downtown in Brazil aren't they? yeah and, yeah, and, and, River, and
2: River, River Plate the, uh, yeah this sort of um, and Brazil and Argentina
0: etc there's a
2: history there yeah so Grêmio were 1-0 up from the first leg which was in Argentina uh, the score was at one all in the return this week the ref then gave River a late penalty it was awarded in the 88th minute not taken until the 5th of 13 minutes of stoppage time Time. Um, given for handball by Gremio's Matias Bresnan, who received a second yellow card. What did Ball- you feel about the handball? Well, I thought it was it was a handball. Actually, I thought it was the right decision to give the to give the penalty. It was from close range, but his hand was in an unnatural position, so I can see why they gave it. But the referee had to then, once he'd got the word in his ear, yes, penalty. Yeah. He had to go and speak to the military police at the side <laughs> of the pitch to tell them that he was about to give the penalty and they should prepare uh, for what would happen thereafter. Penalty dispatched by Piti Martinez. So, River win 2 1, go through on the away goals rule. Their equaliser, which came on 81 minutes from the Colombian Rafael Borre, uh, was a handball by him, but the VAR team didn't spot that. Uh, then, more controversy post match. Footage emerged showing River coach Marcelo Gallardo entering his team's dressing room at halftime. He was suspended for the game because he'd been bringing his team out late for the second half of matches consistently, so he wasn't supposed to be uh-huh. in the dressing room. He admitted that it was filmed, and he also admitted that he had radio contact with his assistant on the touchline. So, Grêmio have appealed to Conmebol, the governing body, to have River kicked out of the tournament. Uh, we'll wait and see if that happens. More likely, they'll get a fine. He'll get a touchline ban for the final. Uh, the Grêmio coach, Renato Portolupi, took the defeat in his stride. He said, I'd rather lose 5-0 than lose it like this. I can't blame the referee on the pitch, but I can blame the VAR referee. Who was taking care of VAR? Was it Stevie Wonder? Everyone else saw it so beat uptight River hoping everything's alright and their place in the final will still be signed sealed and delivered
0: um, oh, <laughs> off the top of your head that's quite extraordinary yeah, yeah. <laughs> are those all Stevie Wonder songs yeah ah, good. Uh, so they're going to so, face
2: Boca Juniors in right. the final which is really exciting they beat Big Phil Scolari's Palmeiras in their semi mm-hmm. and it's actually the first time I was amazed by this first time there's been an all Argentine final in the Copa Libertadores in its history and it's the Super Classico uh, it's the last time this year it's going to be played over two legs first First leg at La Le Bombonera on the 7th of November, return Well, they, the they
0: may move these fixtures because you've got G20 when right, okay. Buenos Aires. Can it's they a- not move the G20? <laughs> <properly>. <laughs> oh, wow. But yeah,
2: fascinating. And um, probably should mention that it's not been picked up by a UK TV broadcaster, but you can watch it via our friends at Paddy Power.
0: Oh, OK. Well, I'm sure they'll be delighted with that That shout. Um, so, military police deployed in Brazil, probably not for the first time the way things are <laughs> going there. And, you know, I'm sadly not joking. Uh, for, uh, finally, first round of playoffs in MLS went on Wednesday and is going on Thursday. I was able to enjoy New York City's uh, fines, 3-1 win over Philly Union in the frankly bizarre reconfigured Yankee Stadium, which is a affront to everything that football stands for. I presume that City have a stadium being built. The folks at the Totally Football Show American Edition, and by American we mean, you know, not just United States, but the whole, you know, Canada, etc. they'll be back with you on Friday. They'll know the answer to that. Uh, we do hope you enjoyed the taste of the Kobe Jones uh, hosted show that we sent down the pipe this week. Bingo. All right, let's talk about other things after this. Joe Gallagher writes... Could you please wish Cassia a very happy birthday? Because <laughs> Cassia likes watching the Great Model Railway Challenge with a hangover. Is Next. there any other way? Yeah, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> fast forward with the fast forward button. That's the way to do it. Uh, early kickoff this week, Saturday lunchtime, is Bournemouth Man United. One for the Neutrals to get excited about, Methinks Lively Cherries and their camera-friendly manager Eddie Howe taking on the Grinch-like figure from the north who's literally just cancelled Christmas. Man United's Christmas party apparently has gone the way of of, of many of their, you know... Of, it, it's basically gone. Classic mm. British
2: football trope of this time of mm. year, that, isn't yeah. it? It's slightly struggling to cancel this Christmas party. Well,
0: they cancel the Christmas party earlier each year, of course. I'm um, looking
2: forward to this game. I'm doing it for TalkSport ah. International, our, our friend uh, Alvaro Romeo's chief employer. Ah. Um it's a shame for Bournemouth that they've drawn Chelsea again in the in the cup because I'd really like to see them win it, and uh, it's obviously difficult for them going away to Stamford Bridge. Um, it'd be great for Eddie Howe to win a trophy, particularly if you know if he is going to replace Maurizio Pochettino one day. What will the likes of Harry Kane think about him coming into the dressing room? It would only be the League Cup, but he could say, "Hey, I've got a trophy in the cabinet." It's um, more
0: than Poch one,
2: exactly. What more than <laughs> more than Poch really? more than Do you think Sarri? that would
0: make a, d- a difference? I think, I think, I think it potentially
2: could. Yeah, and, do and you I don't think, think
0: Spurs players would be pretty impressed with Eddie Howe anyway.
2: Yeah, them? potentially, but if if you're talking about going into a new stadium. And hey, we're going to be spending big money on players. A big our, no, no. Our, it's
0: Spurs we're talking about. <laughs> yes,
2: yes, yeah, right, yes. Um, so if yeah, is Eddie Howe going to be able to attract big name players? I would wonder. But anyway, in terms of this game, might be a good one for United. Bournemouth haven't won any of the last five against them, and, and Romelu Lukaku. No goals in nine for United, but six in three v Bournemouth. So, Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Perhaps Is a good chance right? for him to get yeah, a They have to a great record.
3: record at the vitality. They've won two of the last three by a what scoreline of five goals to one. So
1: who
0: United have? Yeah.
1: Really? Are we calling this the league's most overperforming manager against the league's most underperforming <laughs> manager? I think would be a fair case to make for both. Um, Bournemouth are Eddie Howers, it's an outrageous job. I think the the kind of the suspicion recently has been that Howe is is a great as a head coach but maybe not as a a manager of an elite club in that his transfer record is slightly patchy. I mean firstly that maybe fits with a sporting director model anyway Right. but secondly I think if you look at some of the players he's brought in like David Brooks has been one of the players in the league this season I think and he just now seems to have got a team around him that can source football league talent as well. It's pretty much the whole Jefferson
0: bank. Lerma as well has been...
1: Yeah, impressing. yellow card's Jefferson Lerma. Oh, is he picking up a lot of them? <laughs> he, oh, yeah. he loves the yellow card, yeah. All so right. they've still got Simon
0: Francis
2: and Steve Cook. You know, they've kept three consecutive mm. clean sheets in the Premier League and they've got players who were with them in
1: League One in their team. They've
0: also got Ryan Fraser, who Michael Cox was saying on Monday should be in the conversation for player of the season.
1: it's a really nice story about Ryan Fraser. When he oh. came down from, from Scotland... Um, he was tiring late on in games and had a meeting with Eddie Howe and revealed to Eddie Howe that after every game he would have a, a large Domino's pizza and a tub of ice cream. Huh. Um, as he, and these are his words, not mine, was kind of the standard in Scottish football at the time, he felt. And Howe basically said to him, you're not getting back into my team unless until you sort yourself out. And right. and now he has. He's, a, he's another one that in interviews calls uh, Howe the little Pep Guardiola. He says he from everyone he talks to in Manchester City, they are incredibly similar in their outlook
0: right well did Pep's also against pizza and. and well
1: just was... the obsession with detail mm. in training the obsession with kind of it's become a buzz phrase now but marginal gains mm. and, um, and micromanagement of players games basically
3: have just got an idea of after that Hearts-Hibs game mm. everyone going back home for a tub of ice cream and a pizza afterwards so, you know
0: You don't want a Domino's pizza, though, do you? Well, uh, I mean... Hang on. Domino's, I've no uh, no objection to a Domino's pizza. Uh, It's very hard to get pizza wrong, I would say.
1: Plenty of people manage it. Hey, do you know what,
0: actually? Since we're on the subject of pizza, at Mm. last, one of the most often asked questions on Twitter is, what's the name of that great pizzeria you guys were talking about on the podcast? Now... (laughs) <laughs> James, you, I'm sure you've got a favourite in Trastevere in Rome. Uh huh. Yeah. What's that?
3: It's called uh, Aymarmi, which is, uh, which it's called Orgitorio because it's all the marble um, tables. Mm-hmm. It reminds you of a morgue. Nice. But it's very good. Yeah. Viale, Viale Trastevere. Yeah, okay. It's nice.
0: I haven't had a pizza in Rome in, in too long, but back in the day, we used to go, it was quite an oily pizza, but yeah. if you're not unhappy with that, then Da Evo is a, it's a bit of an institution. Is that a Roman pizza or a Neapolitan? It pizza? is a Roman pizza, yeah. nice, thin. Thin crust. The ne- then you had Pizzare, who were very much the, the, the Neapolitan, the big, yeah. thick ones. And uh, La Maremma, mm. up in Parioli, love yeah. that.
2: Have either of you tried David Luis and William's Italian restaurant yet in Mayfair, Babu Oh, Babbo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No, I haven't been. All right. but yeah, William told me he'd give me a 5% discount on a meal for my wife and 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 I if if I mentioned it. (laughs) Did he say that? (laughs) No, I suggested 5%. He said I can possibly do that. So that was very generous of him.
0: Bingo.
1: Big shout out for Peter's Pizzeria in uh, Loughborough, uh where I'm going tonight. A Neapolitan family who run a pizzeria in Loughborough, and it is absolutely sensational. That name again, Daniel? Peter's Pizza. Nice. It's, it's, It's the Italian... Name that gives it the flair.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, pizzas. <laughs> Love it. Oh, uh, should mention this is a massive week, by the way, for Jose Mourinho, because after the trip to the Vitality Stadium, he's got to go to the Allianz Stadium in Turin to take on Juventus. Then he's at the Etihad next weekend. Whoa. The good news is that he's got game-changing Maron Fellaini potentially back uh, yeah. for those matches. So, Can I do a massive,
1: not even a humble brag, just a brag and say I'm going to both games?
0: R- both games? You're going to
1: Turin? Yes, I'm going to... Uh, Tuesday night I'm going to Inter Barca in Milan and right. then I get the train, the short train journey to Turin on Wednesday for Juventus versus Manchester United. My younger self is a little bit sad that it's not the Dele Alpi. And Don't
0: the... be sad. Did you ever go to the Delhi Alpi? No, oh, but I wanted to. Place. You would be able to see the game, which, you know... Oh. Miserable place, really. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, the Ant stadium as romantic a name? No. doesn't really give it to me, but I hear what you're saying. All right, then. Uh, oh, now so back to the Premier League and um, Everton are taking on Brighton. We're on a great run of form mm. three straight wins, three clean sheets. Brighton will what's that record survive their trip to Goodison? Never I think never was- won there, yeah. I mean, what's extraordinary about Brighton going on
3: this run is they specifically targeted it they knew that they' after a really difficult start to the season where they played a lot of the top six that this is where they're kind of they would consolidate themselves in the Premier League and maybe even build on that but these three wins they've done it with I say the only new signing in the summer who's been in there is Yahambash, who's been playing on the right uh, aside from that it's almost exactly the team that they got promoted with and they've been without Pascal Gross who was so influential in keeping the mat up uh, last year um, you know, with his delivery bit from set pieces of open play when he got injured I think the thinking was that they would just pushed Davy Proper up because Proper played in that position for PSV and he said he's been injured as well and they're still managing to grind out these 1-0 wins and, uh, and you look who's playing right back for them it's still Bruno Bruno's been there yeah, you know, for for decades, um, who you know is very much the kind of spirit of that club. Um, it's extraordinary, really. Mm. And it's it's one thing targeting a group of games and saying those are winnable games. It's another thing actually going and, and doing it. And uh, aside from this game, which yeah, you know, as Matt says, they never won at Goodison. Um, they don't play another sort of top six, top seven side until mid December. So this sort of period be really quite fruitful for, for Brighton if they keep going along in the way they're going.
2: Right. Um, and we ought to give Chris Hughton a bit of praise. We, we've rightly done so to, to Eddie Howe. I think mm. maybe because Bournemouth feel slightly more incongruous as a Premier League club because of the size of the ground and, and their history or whatever. But Chris Hughton, I don't know whether he bought the players in the summer, but there were no eye-catching buys particularly. None of them are particularly gelled. But as James says, they've still got a championship team effectively and they look like they'd be well clear of trouble I this think- season
1: in in football in another guys where you'd have coaches doing Many different jobs, NFL style. Um, I don't think there's a better defensive coach than Chris Houghton. The oh. way he's got Duffy and Dunk playing. So your
0: perfect NFL style coaching lineup, you'd have him as the defenses coach.
1: Yeah, I'd have Pep Guardiola on tactics. Uh-huh. I'd have uh, Jurgen Klopp as an attacking coach.
0: I'd have Stephen Gerrard on the press conferences.
1: Good. Yes. Yeah. And just Neil Lennon as a sort of touchline motivator.
0: <laughs> Very nice. Uh, okay. Uh, quick question here from Paul McIntosh. Looking ahead to the rest of the season which is the easiest thing to rectify Newcastle learning how to score or Fulham learning how to defend whose shoes would you rather be in at this point let's address that question after this right so that question which was an excellent one about whose shoes would you rather be in Fulham learning to keep a clean sheet or Newcastle learning to score goals Fulham this weekend are at Huddersfield Newcastle hosting Watford what do you think Daniel
1: I think Fulham's problem is easier to solve in that it's a lot less complex. I don't think Newcastle's problem is just scoring goals. I think that's probably a symptom of the disease. Um, Whereas with Fulham, I think I honestly believe that if they lose to Huddersfield this weekend, then Yukanovich will be the first manager to be sacked in the Premier League this season. We Mm. are well overdue a managerial sacking and it is the international break coming up. Does the same
0: go for David Wagner, by the way? Uh, is there any sense that he might be running out of no, time there? No,
1: No, uh, The Dean Hoyle, the Huddersfield Town uh, chairman, has said that even if Huddersfield are relegated, then they will keep faith in Wagner, and that would be the right thing to do. The, the way he leaves that club is mm. someone making him a, a very good offer. I do worry that he's, as I said it before, I do worry that he's missed his chance. He was slightly bizarrely, it seems now, mentioned for the Chelsea and Borussia Dortmund jobs in the summer, uh, and they now seem a kind of world away. Uh,
0: do you think Huddersfield can finally score against a Fulham team that's conceded 15 in the last four matches?
1: Yeah, I do think they will score. Um, I think Fulham will win, but I think Huddersfield will score. But I do think Huddersfield will go down, and I don't think Fulham will. Mm. If, if Huddersfield
2: don't score, they'll be only the second team in English football history not to score in their first six home games, the other one being Mansfield in seventy-one, seventy-two. Great stat. Mm.
0: Well, anyway, that game's coming up on Monday evening. Follow that, Champions League. Uh, Newcastle on Saturday afternoon taking on Watford. The first of what Jack Lang boldly called on Monday their five winnable games. A Watford team who destroyed Huddersfield last time out scored five conceded none in their last two games. out. It, it's true though that Watford, they used to struggle away from home. Didn't they? Have, have they resolved that?
1: Yeah, there was a kind of suspicion that they, in inverted commas, didn't fancy it. But yes, I think they have addressed that now. Uh, I think that... <sighs> I can't back Newcastle to win any game at the moment. Um, they have had some good news. The morning we speak, uh, Jamal Lascelles signed a new six-year contract, oh. and those length of contracts always worry me because they make it look like transfer fee maximisation rather than um, anything well, else.
0: Or it's like the
3: Pard's contract that <laughs> yes. they gave him, which what was, was what that?
0: The,
1: eight years? Eight yeah, it's extraordinary. <laughs> <laughs> Are they still? Pay- they would still there be were, There were, now. it should be said, rumours of which I'll not mention about that contract.
0: Okay. All right. Moving along. Watford actually won this game. Here's me talking about their away record, but they, they were three nil winners at Saint James's Park. Won the last four Passies. between these two. Oh, have they? Mm. Okay. I, I like more- how
3: Jack determined these were winnable games when Newcastle have played Cardiff, they played Palace, they played Brighton, they played Southampton. I mean, mm. they've already had plenty of what you would call winnable games.
0: Indeed. So Cardiff. We I mean, look at the situation down the bottom. Everyone from West Ham down. But there's eight teams either in or within a bad game of the bottom three. Cardiff in it, of course. They are hosting Leicester mid-Saturday afternoon. Uh, Fox is confirming that game will go ahead. Uh, West Ham, at the same time, will be taking on Burnley. Both teams desperate for a win here. No, Burnley conceded nine in two games. Hammers have only... It seemed like they'd sorted themselves out, but but no. No, they look... Bad again. I reading
1: a few supporters after the Spurs game, saying this really, for all the bells and whistles and a bit more glitter, been stuck onto the club. This this feels very similar to last season, really, um, which suggests there's something inherently rotten within the core of that club. And there are plenty of of West Ham supporters who agree with that.
0: Well, they, they do have one or two issues at the moment with Yamelenko out for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mark Noble will be suspended for this. Arnautovic, I think, is still in doubt. Andy Carroll is back in training. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, they could do with Joe Hart replicating his form for them last year. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was the game last
2: season that had the multiple pitch invasions, wasn't it? Of course, um, West Ham Burnley at the at the London Stadium. Um, I saw Burnley last week against Chelsea, and I was amazed by how meek they were. They, they it almost made me wonder if maybe the Sean Dyche messages or method has, uh, has come to its natural conclusion with that. Squad of players. It mm. was a really, really standoffish performance from Burnley, which would worry me greatly if I, I supported think,
1: them. Uh, uh, hesitate to use the word interesting, but there's a statistic in that Burnley basically for for a long time in the Premier League until I think April had gone 62 games in the Premier League without conceding more than three goals in a game, which for a team with a, one of the weakest teams in the Premier League is. Playing some very, very strong teams is a pretty good effort, and I think they've done so four or five times in the last twelve games. Wow! So there is a sense that, as you say, Matt, that they've kind of they're they're just capitulating a little bit. That that steel that they had last season is is not there.
0: We shall see if it returns Saturday at three o'clock. They are at West Ham, and of course, more pitch invasions this week in the clash with Spurs for Hammers at the London Stadium. All right, very shortly we'll be asking, "What's your favourite John Candy movie?" On behalf of a listener. Random question of the week. (laughs) Have a think about that. First, let's get the odds on some of the weekend's games and more. Producer Ben has been speaking to Paddy Power.
4: Thank you very much, Jimbo. Lee Price from Paddy Power is on the line, Lee. Carabao Cup. Quarterfinals have been made. Who are the favourites?
5: It's the usual suspects you'll be not surprised at all to hear. With Man City favourites, despite at the time of recording not having played their round of 16 game yet, uh, you know the favourites here. They lead Chelsea, Arsenal and Spurs in the betting. Leicester are rated as the best of the rest at 18-1. to
4: Okay, let's talk about the Premier League this weekend. A very juicy fixture at the Emirates. Arsenal versus Liverpool. There have been loads of goals, as we've been mentioning uh, in the show, in this fixture. Could you give me the odds, please, on six or more
5: goals? Yes, yeah, quite a short prize. Obviously, it's 3 all last time they played, and it's thirteen to two. There are six or more goals this time around. Uh, Granite Chaka scored in that last meeting and at the weekend, so maybe that's some sort of sign. He's twenty-five to one to open the scoring here.
4: All right, at the bottom of the table, it's happening on Monday night, but let's look at it now anyway. Huddersfield
5: versus Fulham, 0-0? <laughs> well it's hard to imagine Fulham keeping the clean sheet but then again it's not much easier to picture Huddersfield scoring so possibly it's 9-1 to one actually for a 0-0 it's a decent price or if you really want to go crazy you can bet on Fulham keeping the clean sheet at 3-1 to one, but I wouldn't be tipping that up
4: and let's go continental to finish this off the next Real Madrid manager we all thought that Antonio Conte was done and dusted and would be in by now but he's not is there any
5: likelihood in as Graham Hunter said this time last week Jürgen Love coming in well, I listened to uh, Hunter's tip and I put a pound on it last time at 50 to 1. Uh, he's now into 33 to 1. So that's some progress. Better progress than Conte. Uh, Santi Solari is the odds on favourite given that he's in possession. Second favourite is Maurizio Pochettino. Level with Roberto Martinez in the betting. That's D Roberto Martinez, yes.
0: You can find out these odds and more at paddypow.com. All prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's 18 plus only. Begambleaware.org. And when the fun stops, stop. Uh, oh, Matt, how's Torres' relegation battle going in Japan? Um,
2: it's not going brilliantly, so I'm going to see the next leg of it uh, at the weekend. Segan Tosu, his team, going to Vifar and Nagasaki, who are rock bottom. Oh. Tosu are in the relegation playoff place. They did win 3-2 at Vigalta Sendai last week, and Torres scored in that. That's just his second goal in 13 J-League appearances.
0: Brilliant. You're doing the commentary for this clash? Certainly am, yeah. Super. Danny Stewart, seeing as it would have been his 68th birthday on Wednesday, what is your favourite... John Candy film. Danny makes a prediction here. He says, I predict Uncle Buck from Jimbo, mm-hmm. uh, whereas he thinks Horncastle is a cool runnings kind of guy. <laughs> is it true?
3: Feel the rhythm, feel the ride. <laughs> right. uh, I, I do love cool runnings. I, I, um, I don't know why, but I, I was always moved by his, his performance in Home Alone. Yeah. Yeah, that was. Yeah. I would like John Candy to. To get my mother back, you know, if, you know, if I was alone, at home, right. at Christmas.
0: Damn, what age were you when you saw this film?
3: <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, it's maybe, what, seven, something like that? I don't okay, know.
0: Okay, yeah, I'm yeah. Gonna, yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of traumatized. That's like yeah. Bambi's mother dying for another generation. Uh, Daniel?
1: I'm, that's, Uncle Buck was the film that I would watch yeah. on repeat as a kid. Really? As a yeah. kind of know every line. I absolutely love that film.
2: Absolutely, not, not even close for me. Uncle Buck by Uncle a wide Buck? margin, still got the DVD, uh, Colkin on top
0: form as well as mm. Candy, uh, yeah, the dream I ticket. I like Uncle Buck, however, I'm surprised that, and I know they're minor roles, um, that Blues Brothers, where he has my favourite line in the movie, orange whip, orange whip, three orange whips, <laughs> and, and, uh, and also uh, kind of left field, but he has a brilliant turn as a, as a lawyer in JFK, which oh, yeah. I, I always enjoy seeing a comedian like doing something a bit darker, and yeah, uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. Uh, on the other hand, I did not enjoy at all. And um, you know, contact me for further details. But anyway, <laughs> all right. Anyway, so but yeah, great question, John Candy. Um, apparently, on the day he died, he had a big. There was a big lump of quartz in the family home. He was on location, and uh, it just shattered. <laughs> <laughs> is okay. saying you know
1: uh, as a, foot, a, a slight aside from that story and bringing it back to football oh. uh, i know a guy who for a long time worked as one of the stadium managers at the city ground forest and uh, on the day that brian clough passed away um, they heard the news they're out on the pitch and they heard the news and they went back into their kind of mess room and the clock had stopped in the city ground in their mess room so
0: at, at the time that he died
1: yeah, uh, well... Uh, you sure, but let's say of, yes. Yeah, let's say 20 minutes within, yeah. OK. I mean, maybe it took time for the message to get through to the ghosts. I, I but, really
0: yeah. want it to be at the time. Yeah, mm.
1: virtually at the exact time, yes. Wow.
0: Great way to finish our Halloween <laughs> special. Do you want the answer to my quiz question? Oh, crikey, of I want another clue. Yeah, so what was the question again?
2: Okay, so Mohamed Salah scored in all three of his Premier League games against Arsenal, one for Chelsea, two for Liverpool. Only one player has a better 100% strike rate against the Gunners in the Premier League. So this particular person has scored four times against Arsenal. Frank Lampard? No. Says Fabregas? No. English? uh, Not an international. Trudy Morris? No. Currently playing in the Premier League. Glenn Murray? No.
1: Close though, yeah, I mean, that kind of You
0: mentioned him already in the show, yeah? You? Andy Carroll?
1: No. Go on then, Matt. First Go letter on. of his first name:
0: <laughs> C. Charlie Daniels. Charlie Austin. Charlie, Charlie Austin. Austin is yeah, the of course, answer. that's the one I meant. Yeah.
1: Sure. <laughs> yeah, that's very much it. James very much passed me the ball in front of goal there. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> and you've Charlie
2: right. Austin did it home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I scored.
0: <laughs> very nice. Very nice. So, uh, anyway, that's it for Totally Football Show. We will be returning on Monday. How about this for an eclectic lineup: Sasha Gurianov, Melissa Reddy, and Benji Lagnado. So that's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting panel as we review all the weekend's action. Hopefully, listener, you'll be part of the Totally Party as well. Uh, have a great weekend in the meantime from all of us here. It's goodbye.
4: You've been listening to the Totally Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddyneesmedia.com. And make sure you check out our other football podcasts, the revamped Totally Football League show with Caroline Barker and the brand new Totally Scottish Football Show. Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing, but then come the injuries, the goal droughts and the downright disastrous defeats.